0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The World of Percy Jackson. In this episode, we're going to read chapters 72 to 73, and in the previous episode, we read chapters 69 to 71, and it was quite an emotional chapter, I would say. Uh, we ended off with Domison coming in to help Percy, Annabeth, Bob, and Bob, uh, Bob the Small Cat, and... Nevertheless, to say, it was definitely an emotional chapter when Annabeth and Percy were seeing Bob hold down that button for the doors of death, and to see himself sacrifice for Annabeth and Percy was was definitely heart-wrenching, to say the least, and uh, there's there's a lot of emotions that went through me um, reading that, uh, hoping that he is able to survive somehow, because... The things, the efforts that he has put, they will not go to waste, and I truly hope that he is recognized for that in any way possible. So yeah, uh, now we're gonna read chapter seventy-two, Annabeth, and then we'll move on to our chapter seventy-three and to our Q and A session. So without further ado, on with the show. Chapter seventy-two, Annabeth, Percy, help me! Annabeth yelped. She shoved her entire body against the left door, pressing it toward the center. Percy did the same thing on the right. There were no handles or anything else to hold on to. As the elevator car ascended, the door shook and tried to open, threatening to spill them into whatever was between life and death. Animate's shoulders ached. The elevator's easy listening music didn't help. If all monsters had to hear that song about liking piña coladas and getting caught in the rain, no wonder they were in the mood for carnage when they reached the mortal world. We left Bob and Thomason. Percy croaked. They'll die for us and we just- I know, she murmured. Cots of Olympus, Percy, I know. Annabeth was almost glad for the job of keeping the doors closed. The terror racing through her heart at least kept her from dissolving into misery. Abandoning Domison and Bob had been the hardest thing she'd ever done. For years at Camp Half-Blood, she had chafed as other campers went on quests while she stayed behind. She'd watched as others gained glory or failed and didn't come back. Since she was seven years old, she had thought, Why don't I get to prove my skills? Why can't I lead a quest? Now she realized that the hardest test for a child of Athena wasn't leading a quest or facing death in combat. It was making the strategic decision to step back. To let someone else take the brunt of the danger, especially when that person was your friend. She had to face the fact that she couldn't protect everyone she loved. She couldn't solve every problem. She hated it, but she didn't have time for self-pity. She blinked away her tears. Percy, the doors, she warned. The panels had started to slide apart, letting in a whiff of ozone? Sulfur? Percy pushed on his side furiously and the crack closed. His eyes blazed with anger. She hoped he wasn't mad at her, but if he was, she couldn't blame him. If it keeps him going, she thought, then let him be angry. I will kill Gaia, he muttered. I will tear her apart with my bare hands. Annabeth nodded, but she was thinking about Hargus's boast. He could not be killed. Neither could Gaia. Against such power, even titans and giants were hopelessly outmatched. Demigods stood no chance. She also remembered Bob's warning. This may not be the last sacrifice you must make to stop Gaia. She felt that tr- truth deep in her bones. Twelve minutes, she murmured. Just twelve minutes. She prayed to Athena that Bob could hold the up button that long. She prayed for strength and wisdom. She wondered what they would find once they reached the top of this elevator ride. If their friends weren't there, controlling the other side, we can do this, Percy said. We have to. Yeah, Abbott said. Yeah, we do. They held the door shut as the elevator shuddered and the music played, while somewhere below them, a titan and a giant sacrificed their lives for their escape. And that's the end of chapter 72. Quite a short chapter, but nonetheless, the emotions and the terror within holding these doors is clearly evident on their faces. I think that it's not just the fact of this is an entire war against Gaia and keeping these doors closed are the way to at least put a halt in Gaia's army and stop it from getting any more bigger But it's also a way to not let, I believe, that's to Percy and Annabeth, this is a way of not letting their sacrifices, Domison's and Bob's sacrifices, go to waste. And I think that's where the additional pressure comes on for them because they now have this responsibility on them that they need to keep these doors closed so that they don't let down whatever Bob and Domison have given them all the time that they have bought for them. Isn't gone to waste, is not sacrificed. So it's gonna be very interesting to see the conflicting emotions within them and but hopefully they'll be able to push through and reach the top back to the mortal world and be able to meet the rest of the group after a while, it as it seems. So after the br- after the break, we will read chapter 73. This time from Hazel's perspective, this has been a while, and And we're back from the ads. And now we're going to read chapter 73, Hazel. Hazel wasn't proud of crying. After the tunnel collapsed, she wept and screamed like a two-year-old throwing a tantrum. She couldn't move the debris that separated her and Leo from the others. If the earth shifted anymore, the entire complex might collapse on their heads. Still, she pounded her fists against the stones and yelled curses that would have earned her a mouthwashing with lye soap back at St. Agnes Academy. Leo stared at her wide-eyed and speechless. She wasn't being fair to him. The last time the two of them had been together, she'd zapped him into her past and shown him Sammy, his great-grandfather, Hazel's first boyfriend. She'd burdened him with emotional baggage he didn't need, and left him so dazed that they'd almost gotten killed by a giant shrimp monster. Now here they were, alone again, while their friends might be dying at the hands of a monster army, and she was throwing a fit. Sorry," She wiped her face. Hey, you know, Leo shrugged. I've attacked a few rocks in my day. She swallowed with difficulty. Frank is... He's... Listen, Leo said. Frank Zhang has moves. He's probably going to turn into a kangaroo and do some marsupial jujitsu on their ugly faces. He helped her to her feet. Despite the panic simmering inside her, she knew Leo was right. Frank and the others weren't helpless. They would find a way to survive. The best thing she and Leo could do was carry on. She studied Leo. His hair had grown out longer and shaggier, and his face was leaner, so he looked less like an imp and more like the one of those willowy elves in the fairy tales. The biggest difference was his eyes. They constantly drifted as if Leo was trying to spot something over the horizon. Leo, I- I'm sorry, she said. He raised an eyebrow. Okay. For what? For... She gestured around her helplessly. Everything. For thinking you were Sammy, for leading you on. I mean, I didn't mean to, but if I did... Hey. He squeezed her hand. Throw Hazel, sensed nothing romantic in the gesture. Machines are designed to work. Uh, what? I figured the universe is basically like a machine. I don't know who made it. If it was the fates, or the gods or capital G, God, or whatever. But it chugs along the way it's supposed to most of the time. Sure, little pieces break and stuff goes haywire once in a while, but mostly things happen for a reason, like you and me meeting. Leo Valdez, Hazel marveled. You're a philosopher. Nah, he said. I'm just a mechanic. But what I figured, my bisabuelo, Sammy, knew what was what. He let you go, Hazel. My job is to tell you that it's okay. You and Frank, you're good together. We're all going to get through this. I hope you guys get a chance to be happy. Besides, Zang couldn't tie his shoes without your help. That's mean, Hazel chided, but she felt like something was untangling inside her. A knot of tension she'd been carrying for weeks. Leo really had changed. Hazel was starting to think she'd found a good friend. "'What happened to you when you were on your own?' she asked. "'Who did you meet?' "'Leo's eyes twitched. "'Long story short, I'll tell you sometime. "'I'm still waiting to see how it shakes out.' "'The universe is a machine,' Hazel said. "'So it'll be fine.' "'Hopefully.' "'As long as it's not one of your machines,' Hazel added. "'Because your machines never do what they're supposed to.' "'Yeah, (laughs) ha ha!' "'Leo summoned fire into his hand. "'Now which way, Miss Underground?' Hazel scanned the path in front of them. About 30 feet down, the tunnel split into four smaller arteries, each one identical, but the one on the left radiated cold. That way, she decided. It feels the most dangerous. I'm sold, said Leah. They began their their descent. As soon as they reached the first archway, the Polkat Gale found them. She scurried up Hazel's side and curled around her neck, chittering crossly as if to say, "'Where have you been?' you're late not the farting weasel again leo complained if that thing lets loose in close quarters like this with my fire and all we're going to explode gail parr barked a polecat at leo hazel hushed them both she could sense the tunnel ahead sloping gently down for about 300 feet then opening into a large chamber that chamber was a presence cold heavy and powerful Hazel hadn't felt uh, felt anything like it since the cave in Alaska, where Gaia had forced her to resurrect Porphyrian, the giant king. Hazel had thwarted G- Gaia's plans that time, but she had to pull down the cavern, sacrificing her life and her mother's. She wasn't anxious to have a similar experience. "'Leo, be ready,' she whispered. "'We're getting close.' "'Close to what?' a woman's voice echoed down the corridor. "'Close to me!' A wave of nausea hit Hazel so hard her knees buckled. The whole world shifted. Her sense of direction, usually flawless underground, became completely unmoored. She and Hazel didn't seem to move. Suddenly, they were 300 feet down the corridor at the entrance of the chamber. Welcome, said the woman's voice. I've looked forward to this. Hazel's eyes swept the cavern. She couldn't see the speaker. The room reminded her of the Pantheon in Rome, except this place had been decorated in Hades modern. The obsidian walls were carved with scenes of death, plague victims, corpses on the battlefield, torture chambers with skeletons hanging in iron cages. All of it embellished with precious gems that somehow made the scenes even more ghastly. As in the Pantheon, the domed roof was a waffle pattern of recessed square panels. But here, each panel was a stella, a grave marker with ancient Greek inscriptions. Hazel wondered if actual bodies were buried behind them. With her underground senses out of whack, she couldn't be sure. She saw no other exits. At the apex of the ceiling, where the Pantheon skylight would have been, a circle of pure black stone gleamed, as if to reinforce the sense that there was no way out of this place. No sky above, only darkness. Hazel's eyes drifted to the center of the room. Yep, Leo muttered. Those are doors, all right. Fifty feet away was a set of freestanding elevator doors, their panels etched in silver and iron. Rows of chains ran down either side, bolting the frame to large hooks on the floor. The area around the doors were littered with black rubble. With a tightening sense of anger, Hazel realized that an ancient altar to Hades had once stood there. It had been destroyed to make room for the doors of death. Where are you? She shouted. Don't you see us? Taunted the woman's voice. I thought Hecate show chose you for your skill. Another bout of queasiness churned through Hazel's gut. On her shoulder, Gale barked and passed gas, which didn't help. Dark spots floated in Hazel's eyes. She tried to blink them away, but they only turned darker. The spots consolidated into the 20-foot tall, shadowy figure looming next to the doors. The giant Clidius was shrouded in the black smoke, just as she'd seen in her vision at the crossroads. Now Hazel could dimly make out his form. Dragon-like legs with ash-colored scales. A massive humanoid upper body encased in Stygian armor. Long braided hair that seemed to be made from smoke. His complexion was as dark as Death's. Hazel should know, since she had met death personally. His eyes glinted cold as diamonds. He carried no weapon, but that didn't make him any less terrifying. Leo whistled. You know, Clidius, for such a big dude. <laughs> you've got a beautiful voice. Idiot hissed the the woman halfway between hazel and the giant the air shimmered the sorceress appeared she wore an elegant sleeveless dress of woven gold her dark hair piled into a cone encircled with diamonds and emeralds around her neck hung a pendant like a miniature maze on a cord set with rubies it made hazel think of crystallized blood drops the woman was beautiful in a timeless regal way like a statue you might admire but could never love her eyes sparkled with malice Pacifay, Hazel said. The woman inclined her head. My dear Hazel Levesque. Leo coughed. (laughs) Yeah, you two know each other? Like, uh, underworld chums or... Silence, fool. Pacifay's voice was soft but full of venom. I have no use for demigod boys. Always so full of themselves, so brash and destructive. (laughs) Hey, lady, Leo protested. I don't destroy things much. I'm a son of Hephaestus. A tinkerer, snapped fast Even worse, I knew Daedalus. His inventions brought me nothing but trouble. Leo blinked. Daedalus? <laughs> like THE Daedalus? <laughs> well, then you should know all about us, tinkers. We're more into fixing, building, occasionally sticking wads of oilcloth in the mouths of rude ladies. Leo. Hazel put an arm across his chest. She had a feeling the sorceress was about to turn him into something unpleasant if he didn't shut up. Let me take this, okay? Listen to your friend, Pasave said. Be a good boy and let the woman talk. Pasave paced in front of them, examining Hazel. Her eyes were so full of hate it made Hazel's skin tingle. The sorceress's power radiated from her like heat from a furnace. Her expression was unsettling and vaguely familiar. Somehow, though, the giant Clidius unnerved Hazel more. He stood in the background, silent and motionless, except for the dark s'more pouring from his body, pooling around his feet. He was the cold presence Hazel had felt earlier, like a vast deposit of obsidian, so heavy that Hazel could impossibly possibly move it, powerfully indestructible and completely devoid of emotion. Your... your friend doesn't say much, Hazel noted. Pacifate looked back at the giant and sniffed with (sighs) disdain. Pray he stays silent, my dear. Gaia has given me the pleasure of dealing with you, but Clidius is my, uh, insurance just between you and me. As sister sorceresses, I think he's also here to keep my powers in check. In case I forget my new mistress's orders. Gaea's careful that way. Hazel was tempted to protest that she wasn't a sorceress. She didn't want to know how Pacify planned to deal with them or how the giant kept her magic in check. But she strained her back and tried to look confident. "'Whatever you're planning,' Hazel said, "'it won't work. We've cut through every monster Gae has put in our path. If you're smart, you'll get out of our way.'" Gail the Polecat gnashed her teeth in approval, but Pacify didn't seem oppressed. "'You don't look like much.'" the sorceress mused but then you demigods never do my husband minos king of Crete, he was a son of zeus you would never have known it by looking at him he was almost as scrawny as that one she flicked a hand toward leo well muttered leo minos must have done something really horrible to deserve you passivay's nostrils flared oh you have no idea he was too proud to make the proper sacrifices to poseidon so the gods punished me for his arrogance, the Minotaur, Hazel suddenly remembered. The story was so revolting and grotesque, Hazel had always shut our ears when they told it at Camp Jupiter. Passive had been cursed to fall in love with her husband's prized bull. She'd given birth to the Minotaur, half man, half bull. Now, as Passive glared daggers at her, Hazel realized why her expression was so familiar. The sorceress had the same bitterness and hatred in her eyes that Hazel's mother had sometimes had. In her worst moments, Mary Levesque would look at Hazel as if Hazel were a monstrous child. A curse from the gods, the source of all Mary's problems. That's why the Minotaur story bothered Hazel. Not just the repellent idea of and the bull, but that the idea of, that a child, any child, could be considered a monster. A punishment to its parents to be locked away and hated. To Hazel... The miniature had always seemed like a victim in the story. Yes, Pasface said at last. My disgrace was unbearable. After my son was born and locked in the labyrinth, Minos refused to have anything to do with me. He said I had ruined his reputation. And do you know what happened to Minos Hazel For his crimes and his pride, he was rewarded. He was made a judge of the dead in the underworld, as if he had any right to judge others. Hades gave him that position. Your father... Pluto, actually, passively sneered. Irrelevant. So you see, I hate demigods as much as I hate the gods. Any of your brethren who survived the war, Gaia has promised to me, so that I may watch them die slowly in my new domain. I only wish I had more time to torture you two properly. Alas. In the center of the room, the doors of death made a pleasant chiming sound. The green up button on the right side of the frame began to glow. The chain shook. "'There, you see?' Passive shrugged apologetically. "'The doors are in use. Twelve minutes, and they will be open.' Hazel's gut trembled almost as much as the chains. "'More giants?' "'Thankfully, no,' said the sorceress. "'They're all accounted for, back in the mortal world and in place for the final assault.' Passive gave her a cold smile. "'No, I would imagine the doors are being used by someone else. Someone unauthorized.' Leo inched forward. Smoke rose from his fists." Percy and Annabeth. Hazel couldn't speak. She wasn't sure whether the lump in her throat was from joy or frustration. If their friends had made it to the doors, if they were really going to show up here in 12 minutes. Oh, not to worry. Passive wave waved her hand dismissively. Clidius will handle them. You see, when the chime sounds again, someone on our side needs to push the up button. Other doors will fail to open, and whoever is inside, poof, gone. Or maybe clearly Clidius will let them out and deal with them in person. That depends on you two. Hazel's mouth tasted like tin. She didn't want to ask, but she had to. How exactly does that depend on us? Well, obviously, we need only one set of demigods alive. Pasfe said, "The lucky two will be taken to Athens and sacrificed to Gaia at the Feast of Hope." Obviously, Leo muttered. So will it be you two or your friends in the elevator? The sorceress spread her hands let's see who is still alive in 12 actually 11 minutes now the cavern dissolved into darkness and that's the end of chapter 73 well it's definitely going to be a conflicting chapter to read in the next episode um this was a very fascinating um chapter i think in terms of character you know understanding i think that it has been definitely a while since we've read from per- uh, Hazel's perspective. And it's going to be interesting to see how exactly Leo and Hazel are going to battle this out with Clitius And um, with well, with Clitius in general. Because Percy and Annabeth are, you know, will they be able to get out and then battle Clitius themselves? Or will Hazel and Leo first battle Pasiphae and then destroy her and then fight Clitius. um this is all these are all theories and in hopes of success so hopefully that they hopefully i do i do wish that they succeed in figuring out this next puzzle and being able to destroy both Clitius and pacify and making them stay in the underworld a bit longer since nobody will be there to go through the doors of death So that is the end in terms of the reading. We are now going to move on to the Q&A session. Uh, Once again, I'd like to say that if I miss your name in the shout outs or if I miss your question, do please let me know in the next episode and I will try my best to make it happen. Um, Another disclaimer, once again, is if if I do see a question that I'm not comfortable answering, um, I will not answer it. Uh, That is nothing on you guys. I just don't feel comfortable at the moment to reveal anything that i feel might be uncomfortable or personal but yeah other than that you are free to ask questions and i'll try my best to answer them uh moving on so now let's move on to our shout outs we have number one hudson number two pcw number three electa number four maggie thank you guys moving on to the questions number one do you have an instagram profile for the world of percy jackson or and if not are you planning to make one um Great question. I probably uh, not right now. I do not have plans to make social media, but potentially in the future, there there might be um, some some plans to start that. Uh, next question is: Rick Riordan wrote a couple of books of short stories outside the main series. Do you think you'll read them here or in another podcast? Um, most likely, I'll make a um, end of like the make a season for it in this podcast. Um, I do want to keep everything Greek and Roman mythology related in this podcast, and then potentially Cain Chronicles will be started in another podcast, um, I do not know the layout and schematics of that yet, but most likely, yes, I will be reading those short stories in this, um, podcast, and I do apologize for my mistake on saying the Chalice of the Gods was a spinoff, um... I will most likely be reading it, but it also depends on the release. I I do believe the release was in September, October-ish, so I will probably be reading that um, at the end of the seasons after I'm done with all of the main books like um, Magnus Chase, Trials of Apollo, and then move on to The Chalice of the Gods. Uh, next question is do you have single takes or sometimes have to redo episodes uh actually yeah i i do a little bit of both um sometimes i finish them in single takes other times i have to redo episodes because i i accidentally slip up way too many times a concerning amount of times when i'm coming to reading a book so i'm i just think to myself no 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 this is not it i have to i have to redo it again but um yeah i do have sometimes i do have both that happen Next question is, what are some unpopular opinions that you have? Um, I guess, I don't know if this counts as an unpopular opinion, but I do not like matcha, matcha green tea. Um, I guess everyone's taste buds is different, and my taste buds are not, are not accustomed, I guess I would say, to matcha um, in the way that others are. Um, that doesn't mean it's not a bad flavor. I just, I personally don't like it. <laughs> uh, next question is, Favorite character in this book? Um, most likely I I'd probably say Bob, Bob this and Bob the small cat. Most mo- more importantly, Bob the small cat more than anybody. Um, that is easily hands down the best character, which is why I'm rooting for them to survive so hard, including Domison. I really want all, the three of them to survive. Uh, next question is, what country do you like the most? Um, that's a hard question. I probably have to think about it um i i it really it really depends on um uh it really it really depends on i guess traveling and let's just say i have not traveled to all countries in the world <laughs> so i probably i probably have to think about that for a little bit but yeah uh what do you think will happen and next question is what do you think will happen in future books uh most likely what will happen is i think the best way to find out about that is through the prophecy. Um, definitely, we all know that the prophecy is always comes true, no matter what. Um, and I, I, like I said in the previous episodes, it has like a 99.999% um, accuracy. So, the best that we can see is that m- the important part of Leo versus Jason's storm or fire... One of them will be defeating Gaia and one of them will eventually perish. Now, I would hope that there was there's another way around this, but unfortunately, I don't think there is. So we will definitely I think that's one of the ones that are that is certain that one of them will perish. Now, in what way will they perish? I'm not sure, but it will definitely probably be during the war. Uh, Next question is, can you upload twice a week? Um, I'll try my best. Um, I do know that sometimes, uh, you know, you guys do want some extra episodes and I I will try my best to if I have the time, I'll try my best to give more uh, episodes to you guys. Um, But yeah, uh, I I just uh, uh, I hope you guys can forgive me for only uploading once a week. I do know that, you know, uh, you guys are eagerly eagerly waiting and sometimes and some of you guys are also skipping ahead. Um, I do apologize for uploading so late every week, but unfortunately, um, you know, I do have a lot of work, um, to do, uh, during most of the week. So hence the busy <laughs> schedule, but if I do have enough time, I will try my best to give you guys, um, as much as I can. Uh, next question is, do you recommend making a podcast? Um, I would, ra- I would probably say, um, yes, go for it. Um, reasons pros are that you know you get to make a podcast talking about things that you love and it's just you know putting your thoughts out there and having people listen to it it's it's a great feeling really and then uh, you also get feedback on those thoughts or maybe those concepts that you bring out in your books and then you sometimes you get corrected sometimes you get people to agree with you and it's just a nice feeling overall I'd probably say. Um, obviously, you know, there's commitment, there's dedication, there's work to be put in. Um, but I'm sure that um, all of you guys that are, are wishing to start a podcast, I have the utmost faith in you. Uh, next question is, do you? Uh, well, who would you date in Heroes of Olympus? Um, uh, I don't remember what I said last time. But if I had the choice now, I'd probably say... Anabes, maybe. Uh, I think the more and more I read about her, the more and more her personality aligned with mine. And not to steal her from Percy or anything, but you know, uh, I think that I would. She'd be the best fit for me. Um, next question is: If the two camps fought, who do you think would win? Uh, I probably, if I'm not going to lie, I have a strong feeling that it's going to be Camp Jupiter. Now, the only reason why is because I see a huge emphasis on combat, I think. I feel like maybe it might be because I've read about Camp Jupiter more recently than Camp Half-Blood, so I forgot about Camp Half-Blood. But Camp Jupiter really emphasizes fighting and combat over anything else. And I feel like Camp Half-Blood is more about bonding together and spending time with each other, that doesn't mean it's bad. I just think that a lot more kids in Camp Jupiter get to hone their skills and their demigod powers than compared to Camp Half-Blood, if that makes sense. But they're they're still powerful in their own ways, nevertheless. Um, Next question is, how surprised were you when you found out about Nico's feelings for, for, for Percy? I would definitely say that at first, it made sense the more you think about it, um, especially considering Nico's behavior as it gradually as we gradually went across the book, Nico's behavior around Percy and the emotions that he was feeling and the way he was acting, just in general around Percy it's it, I, I, at that point uh, I think I said this in a previous episode, but um, it was at first you think it's because of his animosity and his hatred toward Percy because of what he did to Bianca but once you start one once you know you read that nico had feelings for percy it slowly kind of makes sense a little bit because you could see that there wasn't complete hatred but there was some kind of there was there existed some kind of tension between them and with that with that confession that nico made it definitely makes much more sense now um so yeah But yeah, that is the end of our Q&A session. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that just as much as I did. And next week, we will continue this with chapter 74 to 75. And thank you guys for listening to this episode. And until next week, stay safe and stay out of boredom.